Psalm 104. Um, if you look at the begin, the top of your outline, I kept the same two introductions that, that Wade was using. The summary of Psalms. He liked Kendall Easley a lot. And this, the summary of Psalms is God, the true and glorious King, is worthy of all praise and prayer, thanksgiving and confidence, whatever the occasion, in personal or community life. And then you've got also a, a summary by John Piper. The Psalms are songs. They are poems. They are written to awaken and express and shape the emotional life of God's people. Poetry and singing exist because God made us with emotions, not just thoughts. Our emotions are massively important. And you may have noticed this uh, in seasons of, emo of emotion, if you will, where the Psalms come to life more for me in times of trial, in times of understood desperation, in times of really pouring out my heart to God, in times of really just being sensitive to, to emotion in my life. And that's when, to me, I'm not normally really artsy, but that's, the Psalms just tend to come to life because God has made us emotional beings. And so tonight, I want to remind you of that, that we are reading poetry, and it is meant to spark emotion in our lives. It's meant to, to point our eyes towards Christ, and it's meant to stir our hearts towards Christ. And as we learn and as we're reminded of who God is, it should drive a passion in us to love Him more, to be faithful. It should control our thoughts, our actions, and all of those things. And so that's what, that's what this study's about. Firing us up. Getting us fired up. As Wade would say, cranking our tractor. About Jesus. And worshiping Him. And glorifying Him. So we won't waste any time. I'm looking forward. This is Psalm chapter 104. We're going to read the whole psalm tonight. Before we do, I want to ask you to look for a few things, okay? You could almost call Psalm 104 a continuation, almost a, a part two to Psalm 103. Last week you studied Psalm 103. It begins the same way, bless the Lord, O my soul. And in Psalm 103, the psalmist walks through redemption and restoration, how God does not hold our iniquities against us. And we have all those reasons to praise the Lord. That's what we studied last week. This week it kind of transitions and it talks about God as our creator, the creator of all things and the sustainer of life and the provider for all the things that we need. And so it reminds us and our souls, if you will, to, to praise him and to bless him and to, to love him and to be thankful and to trust him. So look for that theme. You'll see God as a creator. You'll see God as sustainer. And you'll see God as provider throughout this psalm. And you're going to see a call for us to look to him in those ways and to trust him in those ways. And then we'll study it. Psalm 104, verse 1. The psalmist writes, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. He lays the beams of his chambers on the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes his messengers winds, his ministers a flaming fire. He set the earth on its foundations so that it would, should never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains, and at your rebuke they fled. At the sound of your thunder they took to flight. 
the mountains rose, the valleys sank down to the place that you appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass so that they might not again cover the earth. You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Beside them the birds of the heavens dwell. They sing among the branches. From your lofty abode you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine and bread to strengthen man's heart. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. In them the birds build their nest, the stork has her home in the fir trees. The high mountains are for the wild goats, the rocks are a refuge for the rock badgers. He made the moon to mark the seasons. The sun knows it's time for setting. You make darkness and it's night. When all the beasts of the forest creep about, the young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they steal away and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until evening. O oh Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things both small and great. There go the ships and the Leviathan, which you formed to play in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in His works. Who looks on the earth and it trembles who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. May my meditation be pleasing to Him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord. O oh, my soul, praise the Lord. And the word for praise the Lord is hallelujah. The psalm begins with bless the Lord and the psalm ends with bless the Lord. And so the title again tonight, just like it was last week, is bless the Lord, O my soul. And then I added praise the Lord, hallelujah. I added that to my notes. <laughs> psalm 104 stirs our hearts to worship as we reflect on the Lord as the creator, the sustainer, and provider for all of the earth. We see, we see two main sections in Psalm 104. All of creation rejoicing in the Lord. And that's basically verses 1 through 30. And then you see, this is good, the Lord 
rejoicing over all of creation. And that's 31 through 35. So we're going to break it down into those two parts and we're going to look at God over all of creation. You'll see point number one there. All of creation glorifies the Lord. All of creation glorifies the Lord. We see in verse, well, verses 1 through 30, that we should praise the Lord as the creator of all things. Do you see that list? The psalmist just listed off, and he did it in poetic form, so you, you kind of got to read over it several times unless you really think normally in a metaphorical way. But you see a list of all the things that God has created. We should praise the Lord as creator of all things. Creation, we see in verse 1, creation points to His splendor and majesty. His majesty. Because we see God as great and controlling of all things. He is majestic, right? Think about this. Genesis 1. In the beginning there was God. And then He spoke. And when God spoke, He created time, He created space, He created matter, He created vegetation, He created animals, great and small, animals that filled the earth, birds that filled the skies, fish and, and sea creatures that filled the oceans. He created man in His own image, the creator of all things. Majestic. We see His majesty. And then we see a list, a long list of the things that the Lord created. The Lord created. In verse 2, we see that He created light. Verses 2 through 4, speaking of God creating the heavens. In verses 5 through 13, created the land and the waters. He created, in verses 14 through 18, we see He created all of vegetation. It's just a long list of all these things that God made from nothing. The Lord created. In verses, verse 19, it says that God created the moon and the sun to mark time and seasons. In verses 19 through 23, day and night. In verse 25 and 26, this one is, is pretty neat. Um, it says He created the sea creatures. Mentions Leviathan, creatures great and small. Leviathan, I don't know what Leviathan is. I know descriptively that Leviathan is described in Job 41 as a mighty and fearsome creature. A lot of people have a lot of good guesses. But I know it was something fearsome. When you go back and read Job 41, you couldn't tame him, couldn't catch him with a fish hook. You couldn't spear him with a harpoon. Verses 21 through 24, we see that he created land, animals, and man. Verse 24 is a pivotal verse. Verse 24, Psalm 104. It says, O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom 
have you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. All right, manifold. What does manifold mean? Manifold, simple definition, many and various. Manifold, how manifold are your works? I looked up just out of curiosity, what's the oldest tree? What I found on several different points, the oldest tree was on the west coast and up to a few years ago, I'm not sure if it's still in existence, was, was thought to be over 5,000 years old. That's pretty cool. I looked up, just Googling it, and this is a number that's impossible to know. I Googled what is, how many, uh, what is the estimation of unknown species? <laughs> how could you ever know that number? An article I found says that scientists, as of 2010, had classified over 1.7 million plants and animals. They estimate that there's still over 5 million waiting to be discovered. <laughs> I mean, how could you even know? How manifold, how many and varying are God's works? That's pretty interesting to me. Again, only God knows that number, right? I'm losing my mic. Only God knows that number. In verse 25, though, it does say this. Talking about the sea creatures. Here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures, innumerable. That's a lot, right? <laughs> how, how great and manifold are God's works. So, in the first several verses, we, we've just picked out the verses that talk about the things that we see in this psalm that God has created. The psalmist is reminding us of the creation story. Of all those things in poetic fashion that God created. When He spoke nothing into nothing and created something. Only God can do that. Only a magnificent and mighty and powerful, all-powerful God who is above all of those things, who is not contained by space, who is not contained by time, who is not contained by matter. That's the God that we're talking about, the creator of all things, who is above those things. Point B, if you will, we should praise the Lord as the sustainer of all things. The sustainer of all things. Verse 5 says, He set the earth on its foundation so that it should never be moved. The earth, because of God, is secure. The only reason. Think about this. <laughs> How perfect things have to be for us to exist on this earth. Scientifically. If we were too close to the sun, we'd get burned up. If we're too far from the sun, we'll freeze to death. Think about how perfectly it has to remain for us to have an environment that is sustainable for life. It's only that way because God is sustaining that. That is who we are talking about tonight. That is who we're looking to tonight. Verses 8 and 9. The mountains rose. The valleys sank down to the place that you appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass so that they might not again cover the earth. The Lord set the boundaries. The waters have boundaries. The waters have boundaries because God set those boundaries. You ever watch the waves at the sea, the tide roll in? 
Sometimes they have high tide, sometimes they have low tide. God's the one that sets the boundaries of where that tide is going to stop. Whether it's at the beach in Florida or whether it's at Arca Butler. <laughs> God knows the boundaries. He is sustaining that. The earth's rotation and orbit, verses 19 through 23. The earth's rotation and orbit. Let me read that and talk and explain it. Verse 19 says, He made the moon to mark the seasons, the sun to know its time for setting. You make the darkness and his night. When all the beasts of the forest creep about, the young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they steal away and they lie down in their dens. Then man can go out. I added then. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. The Lord has given us the sun and the moon to mark day and night, to mark seasons, to mark years. He is the one who causes the earth to rotate on the axis, to orbit the sun at the pace that it does so that we can keep time like we do. He is the one that sustains that. He is the one in control of all of that. And can I tell you, sometimes I'm ashamed at how quickly I forget that. When things aren't going right in life, isn't it easy? Isn't it easy to take our eyes off of the one who controls the orbit of our planet and put it on a small problem? A huge problem to us, but a small problem for the one who holds all things together in his hands. He is the one who sustains life. He is the one who causes the earth's rotation and orbit. Verse 29, he sustains life with breath. What happens if God takes away our breath? We fall dead. We return to our dust. He is the one that gives us breath in this very moment. Megan and I were talking the other night, thinking about the months ahead, the years ahead, ahead and I was like, baby, think about this time last year. Could we ever have envisioned where we would be at right now from a year ago? There is no way I could have envisioned that. It was not on my radar. I, you might know. From, at, from June, we thought we, as of June, we thought we were going overseas. And here I am, able to preach God's Word to you tonight on a Wednesday. And it's almost September. Still August. I never could have guessed that, but do you know who did not get caught by surprise? Do you know who caused the circumstances to fall into place so that I would be here right now? And might I tell you, I'm very glad to be here with you tonight. I'm very honored and humbled to be here with you tonight, and I'm very thankful to be able to be here tonight. And it's because God has me here, and because God has you here, and because God has given us our breath right now. And if He gives us our breath tomorrow, we'll be here tomorrow. And if we worry about it and fret, it won't matter. It won't change a thing. <laughs> Remember what Jesus said. Who can add a second to their life? None of us. God is the sustainer of life on this earth. He is the one. He is the one that made all things. He is the one that holds all things together. He is the one that we look to for our provision. He is the one that the animals look to for their provision. That satisfies 
the lions and the wild donkeys and gives refuge to the rock badgers and the mountain goats. He is the one. And all of those things glorify Him. Let's keep on moving. So, back up, you go, just to, to revisit. All of creation glorifies the Lord. Letter A was, praise the Lord as creator of all things. B was, praise the Lord as sustainer of all things. And C, praise the Lord as the provider. I guess, of all things is accurate. I was thinking more like for all things. Verses 10 and 11 says, He provides water for the animals to drink. Not just the animals, for us as well. He provides verses 12 through 13 and then verses 16 and 17. He provides habitat and refuge for wildlife. We'll read it. Verse 12. Besides them, talking about the, the valleys, the, the springs in the valleys. Verse 12. Besides them, the birds of the heavens dwell. They sing among the branches, glorifying their God as they sing among the branches. He provides, says, From your lofty abode, you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. Verse 16 says, the trees of the Lord are watered abundantly. He's doing it right now. Right now, the Lord is watering the earth. How quick are we to forget that? You know, think about it. Maybe farmers are a little bit more keen than I am. I'm a little bit more thankful for the rain. Sometimes, my first thought when I heard the rain uh, thunder down was, man, I'm going to have to talk a little bit louder. <laughs> Instead of, thank you, Lord, for watering the earth. He's the one that brings the water and takes care of the trees. Let's keep moving. He provides the habitat and the refuge for wildlife. He provides the trees. We see that in verses 16 and 17. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly. The cedars of Lebanon that He planted in them. The birds build their nests. The stork has her home in the fir trees. He provides the mountains. Verse 18. The high mountains are for the wild goats. The rocks are a refuge for the rock badgers. I went ahead and just added rocks. Why not? Verse 18. He provides rocks. <laughs> right? There's a difference between mountains and rocks. We might call rocks mountains in Mississippi, but I don't think they would in Colorado. Right? He provides the mountains, the high-off mountains for the goats, and He provides the rocks for the badgers to hide in. He provides habitat and refuge for wildlife. Speaking of habitat, you ever just wish that you could see the Garden of Eden? What a habitat that must have been. Perfect for mankind. <laughs> As beautiful as creation is now and as much as God provides for us in this fallen creation, Eden would have been much better. Heaven's going to be much better as well. Right? God provides, but that doesn't mean we don't suffer. It doesn't mean we don't live in a fallen creation. 
but we look to heaven. And that those, these habitats are a picture of his sustenance, his provision. And that's going to be so much better and compounded in heaven. Verses, verse 14 says that God provides grass for livestock. He causes the grass to grow for the livestock is what it says. And, he, and plants for man to cultivate. He provides garden plants for man to cultivate. Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad that God provides some good old tomatoes, homegrown tomatoes, okra, squash? I like that stuff. That's because God provided that for us. Not just to eat and be taken care of and be fed, but to enjoy. It's okay to enjoy those things and to look to Him as the one who gave that for us. The next list we have, there's three things that it says that God gave to man. And remember the context in, in which this is. In a place where there might not have been great water, and a place where the skin will get dried out quickly, in a dry and arid land, a place where there's need of sustenance, God provided abundantly for man in that setting as well. Verse 15 says that God provides wine to gladden the heart of man. He provides oil to make his face shine or to care for the skin. You ever get dried out? Oil. You rub it on there. Get your skin all refreshed and rejuvenated. That's from God. That is from God. It says that He provides bread to strengthen the heart. Bread for food and strength. Everything. Verse 21 says that He provides food for the animals of prey. Verse 21 blatantly says the young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. Verses 20 and 23 says, You make darkness and it's night. When all the beasts of the forest creep about, that's not the best time of day to be out. When all the beasts and the prey, animals of prey are creeping around looking for food, that's not really when I want to go hang out. When we, when we were living in India, there were leopards nearby. I mean, they said that's why there weren't so many stray dogs. So we had this little flat porch-like landing thing above our entryway. And when we first moved up to the mountains, we, did, we didn't know much about leopards except we didn't want to be, good, be prey. So we'd come out and kind of look around before we came, walked out. Who knows, right? Big old leopards. Couldn't even carry a gun over there. You know, I mean, like around here, you know, hey, leopard comes, I have something to shoot at him with, but not over there. <laughs> so you know what? If I was walking around at night, I had a flashlight and I was looking for animals to prey. That's not the best time to be out. Verse 22 says, When the sun rises, those animals steal away and they lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. The plan unfolding. God provides safety for man to work during the day. The animals are out at night. Man can work during the day. In the evening, he goes back inside, 
the animals come back out. Safety. Verses 24 through 28. O oh Lord, how manifest are your works. In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here, here's the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things both small and great. Verse 26, There go the ships and Leviathan, which you formed to play in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. Verse 24 and 28 says, God gives food for the sea creatures. Everything. Everything. And you know, whether we know it or not, whether we realize it or not, whether we live like it or not, every one of us, everything is dependent on God for our provision. He, we are all dependent on God to provide for us. That's why Jesus taught us to pray. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. And when we live in a land of such abundance, sometimes it's, it's easy to forget to trust God on a daily basis for our daily bread or to praise Him on a daily basis for our daily bread. But everything, whether we recognize it or not, every one of us and everything on this earth is dependent for God, for the water, for the food, for the shelter. Everything is dependent on His provision. We should praise God as our provider. I think the point of this section, in wisdom, the Lord made all things and holds all things together just right to provide necessary living conditions for life on earth. Think about how intricate it must be for us to have sustainable life on this earth. He does it with ease so we can rest in Him. We should trust Him and we should worship Him and we should tell of His glory. That should be a byproduct. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We should not be anxious about anything. But so often we are. We live in a place and a time that minimizes the spiritual, right? Think about that. The, the time that we find ourselves in the Western society where things are so rational, which, by the way, I believe we have a rational faith. But we think of things from a naturalistic perspective, right? Mechanically. We really don't think about the spiritual implications behind these things as, as frequently, especially as a culture. We live in a time where it's quick to forget that God is in control all the time. We live in a, a time and place where cause and effect, we forget who is the one causing those things. It's so easy for us to lose focus. Maybe it's better if I say easy for me to lose focus. I don't know your heart. Hopefully you're doing better than I am. How often we forget that God is in control. I remember being amazed after we had moved away from the States and had been living in, in South Asia for a while and, and meeting 
brothers and sisters that may not know where they're going to get their daily bread. Brothers and sisters who could not afford to go to a hospital and honestly, even if they did, the hospital wasn't really worth going to. A place where it's not uncommon to see someone get run over in the road because of crazy traffic, foolishness. And I had brothers and sisters, we, you and I, have brothers and sisters over there in the Himalayas that are so much more quick to take all things to the Lord. They see the spiritual. They think with a spiritual reality in mind. If someone's sick, what do they do? They pray urgently. They fast. One of the pastors that we worked with told me, Brother, don't worry about your son. I will be fasting and praying. He doesn't have a seminary degree. He doesn't have a church that can afford to pay his salary. But when he told me not to worry that he was going to fast and pray, it comforted my heart. Because I knew he meant it, and I knew he believed it, and I knew that he had a relationship with God that I longed for. When someone needs something, they stop and they pray and they trust God to provide because God is the only one who can provide in their circumstance. We don't think that way as often as we should. And I think if we're, not, if we're honest, our society doesn't think that way. And it, it, it informs the way that we kind of think, if you will. But I'm calling you, I'm calling us, God's Word, Psalm 104, is calling us to be reminded of who our Creator is who our sustainer, who our provider is, and to run to Him. You know, I didn't know if I was going to even mention it. It's kind of fresh and kind of real. But even something as, 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 as relevant, um, fresh. We have a pastor that, that we have loved and has cared for us and shepherded us for 16 years. And if we believe the Bible, we believe that God is sovereign. We believe that God is in control of who is when and where. And Sunday, I was, I was so honored to see the church pour forth people to come and pray and commission our pastor. I think that that points to us trusting the Lord as our shepherd. I think that that points to us as knowing that we're sad, but we're also a little bit excited to thrust him out and hopeful that we're going to see God use him there like he did here. And also expectant that he's going to provide what we need right now in this season as a body. We don't have to wring our hands and fret and wonder. We trust God, right? That's who we are as a people of faith, and that's who we look to, not a man but a great high priest who passed through the heavens and the earth. Right? I think about Philippians chapter 4. One of my favorite passages. Sometimes the, the world around us might see it as naive, a bit naive for us to not be fretting. Right? What's going to happen? Is everybody going to scatter? Or 
you know, we packed out tonight. Y'all come back next week. I'm not preaching. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it is not naive to trust God. We don't have to worry. Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing. But in all things, with prayer and supplication, let your requests be known, made known to God. Even when we're afraid, we can rejoice. Philippians 4, rejoice always. So I think the point of that section is to point us back to the one who is sovereign and to rest in him and to glorify him. The second point, we go back by a lot quicker, verses 31 through 35, the second main section, if you will, is the Lord rejoicing in all of creation. The Lord rejoicing in all of creation. Look at this in verse 31. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in His works. Who looks on the earth and it trembles. Who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. May my meditation be pleasing to Him. For I rejoice in the Lord. Think about that. When God created day by day, it says that He said it was good. This verse teaches us, these verses teach us that, that not only should we rejoice in God, He rejoices in His creation. Think about that. That boggles my mind. Verse 31 says, The Lord rejoices over His creation. And I believe it's because it shows His glory. He is glorified by what He has created. He is glorified by how He provides and sustains. His creation glorifies His name and therefore brings Him joy. God is a supreme being. He deserves praise and honor and worship. Creation gives Him praise and honor and worship and glorifies His name. Therefore, He rejoices. Verse 33, The Lord is glorified when we praise Him. It says, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have been. Verse 34, our thoughts should bring joy to the Lord as He brings joy to us. Our thoughts. Verse 34 says, May my meditation be pleasing to Him. Now I said our thoughts should bring joy to the Lord. Sometimes our, our, our thoughts aren't as pure as they should be, are they? I've got a friend that's a new believer. He sent me a message the other day and said, Man, I have so excited about my time in the Word. Today God taught me that I don't, it's not so much that I have to protect what comes out of my mouth, but what comes out of my heart. <laughs> Isn't that good? I've been a believer for about a month, and the Holy Spirit's just showing him and giving him insight to the Word. What a prayer that is. 
Y'all know Psalm 1914. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in thy sight, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. I think that would help us if we pray those prayers and keep those verses on the tip of our tongue. It'll help our, our meditations be pleasing to Him. Be something that brings our Creator joy. It says, last thing on here, the Lord is glorified when sin is dealt with. Verse 35. You know, I know, sin does not glorify the Lord because God is perfect. His perfect character is seen. When sin is punished, God's perfect character is seen. Now, we just learned in Psalm 103 that God forgives our sin. But we see here a plea for sinners to be consumed from the earth and the wicked be no more. How do we reconcile that? You've heard the analogy. God is a good judge. He's righteous. And in His righteousness, He can't just wink at or overlook sin, but it must be dealt with. It must be punished. And there's a day coming, and I long for it. I long for it when this sinful nature is put away. <laughs> Don't you? I mean, I remember Adrian Rogers saying this, and it just, it, it just man, it cranked my tractor. When God saved us, He saved us from the punishment of sin. As He is sanctifying us, He's saving us from the power of sin. But one day, when God glorifies us, He's going to save us from the presence of sin. I long for that. I hate this fleshly body that is always tugging me in the wrong direction. But on a different note, we should long for that day as well, but I want to I just be complete, put all the cards on the table with you tonight. Our righteous judge will not overlook sin. And being a church member is not going to get it done. It's not going to be acceptable when God asks us, hey, that I was a member of Longview Point Baptist Church it is not going to be the ticket. <laughs> Vody Bauckham said, Mama can save you a seat in church, but she can't save you a spot in heaven. It's not by whose family we belong to, how righteous our parents are. There's only one way for us to not experience this kind of punishment. And that's when we see the wisdom of God, the love and the mercy of God come together. You know the story. It's a good one. It's worth repeating. Jesus left heaven, worshipped as God. He did not regard equality with God a thing to be clung to or grasped. He emptied himself and he took on the form of a bondservant. Being made in the likeness of man, he was born. His deity, his glory, the splendor and majesty that we're reading about was clothed in flesh and veiled. He walked among us and lived a perfect life. Never sinned. 
preached repentance toward God because the kingdom of God is at hand. Called people to salvation. And then he was crucified. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, died on the cross to absorb this punishment that we just read about, this wrath that we deserve. So that sin is punished, but those who place their faith in Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. God offers a gift. Some of us has received it, have received it. Some maybe not yet. But it's a gift that's free, but must be received. It's waiting. Tonight is waiting. You could be in this room. Maybe the Holy Spirit's kind of gnawing on you a little bit. I got good news for you tonight. God is holy and God is just and He must punish sin or He would not be righteous. But He's a God of love and a God of grace and a God of mercy. And He not only provides food and water and shelter, He provides salvation and is available. Romans 10, 13 says, All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Tonight, all you have to do is ask Jesus. You can put your faith in Him and tell Him, I believe that you have died to pay the penalty for my sin. My prayer was this simple. God, my whole life I've known right from wrong, and I've always chosen myself over you. And I said, God, I cannot do it. But if you'll help me, I'll give you my life. And that night, he took it. And he gave me righteousness. And he's been changing me ever since. I want to tell you that there's a God in heaven that loves you. His salvation is real. His salvation is available and it's abundant. Now, I tell you that story, and I, and I trust that most of us in this room have tasted that and seen that God is good. The gospel is not just for people who are lost. It's a great reminder for all of us tonight that we serve a mighty God who is mighty to save, who loves us even when we're unlovable, who pursues us and provides salvation for us even when we spit in His face. That's the God that we run to tonight. In Psalm 104. So the point in this small little section about the Lord rejoicing over creation, do you know what glorifies God? You know what He rejoices over? Sinners being saved. His glory is seen when we are saved, and His glory is seen when sin is dealt with. And He rejoices in His name being glorified. The Lord rejoices in creation because it glorifies Him. 
When we do what we were created to do, we glorify the Lord and we bring Him joy. Listen to this. You can bring joy. You can bring the Lord joy by your thoughts and by your praises and by your actions. Isn't that good news? I mean, how finite are we? And how good is it that we could bring an infinite God joy? That's good stuff. It motivates me to try to love him well when I'm reminded of how much he loves me and that it, it doesn't make sense to me that my little old life down here in Hernando, Mississippi would give God joy, but it does. And it motivates me. Don't you remember? I remember being a new, cre- a new creation in Christ, brand new believer. And I remember just devouring the Word of God. And the more I learned about God, the more I loved Him. And the more I loved Him, the more I wanted to serve Him and honor Him and please Him. And that's the ticket, guys. That's, that's what we fight legalism with. We just studied through Galatians. This isn't religion. This is relationship. God, our Savior, rejoices over us. So, I'll give you another point. I gave you a point of two sections. I think this will sum up Psalm 104. Slow down and reflect on God's goodness, His power, His majesty, and His wisdom. And worship Him for who He is. Trust in Him as the sustainer and provider of all things. And tell of His goodness and His glory. Cultivate a heart of praise and worship. It is so easy, and I'm just going to be transparent. I told you I'm not very poetic naturally. Magna tell you. I don't write or love poems. <laughs> to slow down and to really read over this psalm this week for the sake of teaching it has caused me to look up words like great. I mean, how often do we use great, but how do we define that? It's, it's caused me to look up words like majesty. It's caused me to, to think through what those different verses about God's as our creator and our provider and sustainer. And what's the difference between a sustainer and a provider? All of that. Because I had to. In order to teach tonight, slow down and just study that psalm and study each word. We have a whole book of psalms and every one of them are meant to stir our hearts like that on a regular basis. So whether you find yourself in happy times or sad times, the Psalms are right there waiting to guide your heart towards worshiping God. Whether you find yourself in times where you don't even know how to pray, the Psalms help us know how to pray. They are meant to capture our emotions so that we praise God even more and honor Him in our lives. 